Have you ever felt like there isn't enough time in the day or like you don't have time to take care of your well-being and build your dream? Or maybe you felt like it's impossible for you to go to work and still build that business that you envision at the same time. Well, so have we. And this is why we decided to make this podcast. This podcast is not just for PTs, OTs, MDs, or RNs. It's for everyone in healthcare. Our mission is to inspire you to make healthcare a better place and to build your business or brand through stories and real-life examples of some of the top leaders and entrepreneurs in healthcare. There's no better time than now. Welcome to Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Mr. Carborn Jr. And I'm joined by my main man, Mr. Paulo Chang. Paul, say what's up to the people. Salutations to everybody. It's a good day to be alive. And apparently, it's a good day to be a Buckeye. So what's up, y'all? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so as always, you know, we love bringing y'all just special, amazing guests that can just pour so much value into you. And today is no exception. Um, I'm very, very, very excited for this episode of the of the podcast. Been looking forward to this one. And I think that I think that our guest is going to bring a lot of gems, drop a lot of knowledge on y'all. So without further ado, I got to show some love because this is also PT community. You know, we got to we gotta take care of, of, the, of the PT fam. With that being said, I want to go ahead and introduce Mr. Tim Vidal. Tim, Doc, talk to us. How you feeling? Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, man, feeling great. I appreciate you guys having me on, man. Thank you. You know, this is going to be a fun time, man. I'm looking forward to this chat. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, Let's go ahead and let's hop right into it. So we'd like to be respectful of your time. Tell us, why did you choose to pursue physical therapy? Well, I knew I was going to be a PT since I was 13 years old, man. I've been a lifelong athlete, and I knew for me to be happy in life, I either had to be pro, go professional in sports or do something that was going to keep me close to sports. So um, at first, I thought athletic training. And then um, – an athletic trainer came to my high school and uh, for a career day and we talked to them and, you know, just different things, um, earning potential, things like that. I was like, I don't know if this is the route I want to go. And then um, I was at football practice one day and a PT was there in the locker room working on one of my teammates. So I just kind of started talking to him and he was telling me about what he did. And right then and there, I was like, oh, this is it. And from that day on, man, I was like, I'm going to be a physical therapist. And I just followed through with that. That's real. Especially if you knew from the jump that you wanted to do it. Because, you know, like, I know a lot of people, too, listening, they they tend to, and I know I say this time and time again, but people tend to go through that confusion state where they, they don't even know what, what life has to entail. So they change a couple majors <laughs> and um, <laughs> don't know what to do for, for, for a few years, but. I was fortunate I didn't I didn't have that man I knew right away and, and stuck with it the whole way through. 
Okay. Now, um, in the process of us doing our research, we also noticed you're not just, you don't just have a PT degree. So what we uh, do want to ask as well, what was your thought process, man, while you were pursuing your MBA? You know, was it just a means to an end to open a clinic or like, what was the play behind that? All right. So my MBA is actually recent, man. I didn't go back. I went back and got my MBA years later. Um, I actually just finished in uh, 2018. So I had two goals when I, when I got into, when I decided I was going to become a PT. One was to work with a professional sports team. And the second was to start my own practice. Didn't matter what order that came in. That was just two things I knew I wanted to do in my career. In 2014, I had the opportunity to start my own clinic and did that from everything from the conception of the idea to looking for the real estate, to planning out the, the floor plan, to picking the color of the paint on the wall, the color of the carpet on the floors, all of that. And then started running, running the business, man. Found out really quickly, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So <laughs> I bumped my head a lot, um, made quite a few mistakes. You know, I was like, you know, I should probably get some more business knowledge and some information instead of bumping my head so much. So that's when I started entertaining the idea of going back to business school. You know, started really looking at different schools and which ones I wanted to go to. Um, ended up deciding on George Washington University here in D.C. And, you know, went back <laughs> and I, you know, got the degree. Um, I'm glad I did it, man. It was an executive program. It took me about 16 months um, every other weekend. And I got to say, you know, the, the, <laughs> the executive program at George Washington did a really good job, man. Our classes were at the Four Seasons. We got a room at the Four Seasons. <laughs> it was it was kind of uh, kind of plush. We were spoiled during, in that program. But, uh, you know, definitely glad I did it, man. One of the better decisions I made. A little side note. I got to say, I love D.C. <laughs> I, went, <laughs> Me too. I went to D.C. in 2018, man. And just like the food and the culture and I enjoyed my time there. So I know it must be amazing to, to be able to have your own clinic there. Sure. You, you, talked to, you talked a little bit about, you know, the fact that as you were wanting to do your own thing and as you stumbled into having your own business, that there was a point where you were like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that kind of led to you being able to go back and, you know, chasing that MBA. And so my question for you is, what would you say were the three biggest barriers that you had to break through when you were opening your own practice? The first time, because the practice I own now is actually the second practice, a whole different company. Biggest one was, was funding, for sure. You know, I was young. You know, one huge barrier was, was financing. The other was actually sitting down and getting my thoughts together on, like, how I want this business to go. You know, I think, um, you know, we come up with these ideas that we want to do and, um, you know, we think it's going to go a certain way. And until we sit down to actually put that plan together and plot it out, you know, we don't really think through um, the whole process. And I think that was, that was one of the, that's not <laughs> that big of a barrier, but it was for me because I just can't sit still for too long. And then the last one was kind of getting out of my own way, man. Just, you know, just not taking no for an answer and, and, and plowing through because you're going to hear a lot of no. You're going to start doubting yourself. You're going to start, you know, believing they say or stuff like that, man. And um, you got to really just believe in yourself and get out of your own way and keep pushing to, uh, you know, bring everything that's in your mind into to fruition. You know, uh, pointing out that you're going to get a lot of no's. 
No, it's crazy. I think, especially when people are starting to go through that entrepreneurial journey, especially in healthcare, man. It's like, it's like people live in this world where they don't realize they're going to get a lot of no's. Right. It's like, you come out, you're like, I got this plan. I got this super amazing five-year joint and it's going to work perfectly from start to finish and I'm going to be good. And then, and then week two, you're just like, <laughs> what are all these bumps in the road that yeah. I didn't? What the hell did I do? Right. right. What, what, what do I do? Exactly. So I think like yeah. something that the people need to hear, some people, some that people need to hear kind of like deals with, you know, learning that how to play the game, right. The business. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think, like, the, especially with physical therapy, too, because, you know, got to shout out to our people. What do you think the importance of, like, being business savvy as a physical therapist is? Or why do you think it's important? Man, that can't be overstated. I think uh, one of our main problems as a profession, we go to physical therapy school. We don't go to business school. So we get these two management classes, and that's supposed to teach you the business of physical therapy, and it's not enough. So you come out. And you have no, you know, you're going to work for somebody, some clinic, some hospital, some, you know, skilled nursing facility, what have you. And if you, on the other side of that job, decide you want to start your own practice, you have basically no business knowledge unless somebody else taught you or you picked it up somewhere else along the way. And, you know, that's, that's a hard place to start from. You know, you know about, you know, Medicare billing and things of that nature, because that's what you learned in school, but you don't know about, when you're starting a business that you have to be a writer to write up a business plan. You have to be a, you know, part realtor because you're looking for real estate to try to, to have a, a brick and mortar to have your practice. You got to become a contractor because now you're writing, drawing up a floor plan and talking to them about all these different, um, all the different terms of, you know, and measurements of how you want things built out and to be laid out and uh, all that's before you treat your first patient. And um, you know, people don't learn that in BT school. You don't learn that anywhere. You just kind of figure that out on the fly. So, um, you know, all that is part of starting your own practice. And um, just to be a little bit more specific about being business savvy, you can't, like I said, that can't be overstated, man. Like you really have to know who you're dealing with when you go into negotiations. And you also got to know what you're willing to do and what you're willing to not take or stand for. Because um, people will take advantage of you out here, man. And it's real easily, especially if they know you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, so can't be overstated, man. Get get as much mentoring, as much knowledge as you can in the business front if you're planning to go into business. So with that being said, and I 100% agree because they PT school they teach us they teach us how to use these. You know, they teach yep. us how to use our hands. They they teach us how to be able to treat patients, but they don't teach us that business aspect of it. And even even when they do, it's like not anything substantial that's going to help you really be able to break barriers, you know, as you're trying to build something for yourself. And so one thing that I, that I feel like we should move towards is being able to figure out how something like that can be incorporated into the curriculum. Because I feel the same way that we kind of have different classes for different settings like you have neuro but you have peds but you have ortho you know like why isn't there a a business class as well because maybe everyone doesn't want to just do those you know maybe they're interested in opening their own practice like you did as well with that being said I have to ask you because I've spoken to numerous new grads and even uh, my peers you know that are still in school with me that 
have that interest in in starting off with you know their own practice or eventually going into their own practice and so for you being someone who has been able to experience that if you could give three tips to them in terms of opening the practice what would those tips be all right well first let me uh make a point on they are actually business schools and i mean business classes in pt school depending on what school you're at it's management or business 101 or what have you i just don't think that that's enough because it's not basically but they do have classes in pt school as part of the curriculum um i do agree that we could do more in that realm you know i i have been an educator i've been a professor of pt so i, I gotta you know, <laughs> make sure that that's straight. But um, as far as three tips for a new grad or somebody in school that wants to open their business, learn as much as you can on the front end, like get your skills down. All right. When you start your own practice, you're the product. All right. So how good you are is what you're selling. All right. And so you want to make sure that you get your skills to a certain point um, before you put yourself on the market, so to speak. All right. Um, because you might want to jump out there early and say, all right, I, you know, I have my own practice. This is something I want to do. But your clinical skills aren't up to par. So now you're asking people to pay you prime dollar amount and your service is subpar. You don't want to be in that situation because you won't maintain your clients that way. The second thing, get a mentor. If you see somebody doing what it is that you want to do, look your goals in the face and talk to your goals. All right. You find that mentor and, um, you know, somebody that can guide you along the way, somebody that can give you good advice, um, somebody that's going to look out for your best interest. You know, like I said, we, we don't get enough business training. When you go into a deal, you're negotiating and you haven't been taught to negotiate. So having a mentor to kind of help you along that process is going to be very helpful. And last, learn finance whether that's accounting or just, you know, being able to do your checks and balances, be able to read a balance sheet, be able to track expenses on an Excel spreadsheet. However, you have to do it, learn finance, because that's going to be a very important part of maintaining your company. Because in the beginning, you're everything, you know, you're, you know, the CEO, the CFO, the COO, you're the janitor, you're everything. All right. So, you that is a, a very integral part of your business is, is the finance and you have to understand that and be able to read that and maintain it from day to day week to week month to month to make sure that your business remains viable and successful man first of all i gotta say this everything you said is so key now i i have a what i'm about to say is not a reflection of the podcast <laughs> nor does it represent the views of what it is we do on this platform, nor the people represented by it. Now that I've given that disclaimer, I have a personal vendetta with physical therapy as a profession <laughs> and um, what people are taught in school. My big problem is I have so many of my friends, right? And I think I'm starting to see it's even more rare. I have so many of my friends that they bought into that old I'll call it the old way of, of PT where you got folks that graduated in the seventies and, you know, you got paid based on like just purely insurance and like you graduated and you got a job and school cost you maybe $50,000 at the time. And so it made sense. And then now it's like you, you come into this and it almost hurts me when I see people realizing that maybe they want to go into their business, but 
also realizing that when like and it always happens right at graduation holy crap i don't know what i'm doing i can treat or most people like i need experience but that's a whole different thing but then most people are like yo i want to do it but i actually don't know what to do this is insane and and that problem is far too common and i love the fact that like you hit those points especially the learning the finance i think from a personal standpoint everybody listening to this needs to understand like if you don't even have the ability to track your own personal expenses and and income and like just at a personal level it's not going to work at a business level because if you can't do it for you how on earth are you going to do it for because look you know that that biggie song more money more problems like with the yeah. business you're going to have more money yes but you're going to have more problems like there's yeah. different that come with that and the fact that you pointed out you have to learn finance you have to understand accounting even if it's something as simple as taking out a spreadsheet and just tracking where your money is going mm-hmm. it's key for sure because business is going to hit you man it's got all types of fees and all and the irs <laughs> loves to pull up so i'm just saying i love the fact that you you um share that yeah. you know as as i kind of and i think we need to talk about this before we talk about anything else, but your perspective on business is so unique. So I, I have to ask, how do you see business as a whole evolving in the next like five to 10 years? Mm-hmm. And then I'm add on top of that, how do you see healthcare professionals in business evolving over the next five to 10 years? All right, that's, that's a really vague, loaded question. Peer that down for me a little bit as far as like, you say, what do right. I, how do I see business evolving? Like business okay. is, a, is, is a big yeah. thing. Like, wait, what do you evolving. mean? All right. like, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me make that question more specific. When it comes to the healthcare entrepreneur, right? That's the whole point of this podcast. When it comes to the healthcare entrepreneur, how do you think the healthcare entrepreneur is going to have to evolve in healthcare? Uh, that, that's easy, man. <laughs> the healthcare professional, not even just the healthcare entrepreneur, needs to stop depending on that third party and that third party being insurance companies. All right. Cause insurance companies, I mean, basically they're pimps, man. Like when you think about, all right, picture this, right? You go into a grocery store, you fill up your, your, your shopping cart with all the groceries you want to get for your family. You get up to the front and they're like, all right, it's going to be $400. And then you say, you know what? I'll give you 100. And then you walk out with your groceries and they just let you. That's what insurance company does to providers. Right? <laughs> so you build an insurance company 400 and they're like, oh, we'll give you one. And then they walk out, <laughs> they take all your treatment and they just leave you with a quarter of what you, you know, what you build. You can't run a business like that. Right. And I use the numbers 400 and 100, but like really, you know, you could build a hundred and get 30, you know, and I mean, $30, <laughs> like you can't pay your rent like that. How many patients do you have to see to make $30? accumulate to what you need to run your business and pay your staff and pay your bills you know and that's why you see these physical therapy clinics become mills where you see a a pt student treating four or five patients at a time while the person that's their ci is treating another four or five right like that's no way to to bring the level of healthcare that you're going to school to learn right and what you're taught to believe how it should be that's you know that's what the, depending on insurance companies do does to to the practice I mean does to our profession so we got to get away from that man like you know depending on insurance companies is is like you said like a way of the past man um and we really do have to get away from that and until we can can demand our our worth and 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 get it um 
you know, we're always going to be middled and we're going to end up, you know, not making as much as we should, which is a prime reason why I'm a cash-based therapist and I don't accept insurance. <laughs> Just throughout this conversation, it's it's very evident that that you're 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 very passionate about the field beyond just you know the business aspect of it. You know you you're you're an author, you've been a professor, you know you've you've done quite a lot. You, you've done what a lot of people would love to be able to do. You know uh, during their career, and so I kind of I kind of want to shift a little bit to uh, some of your experiences because I feel like it's very important to be able to get a glimpse into that, especially for, you know, the SPTs that, that will be listening and the pre-PTs as well, just to see what's possible. So with that being said, I kind of I want to ask you, what was your experience like serving as the chairman of the PT State Board for DC? Oh, that was... That was actually a lot of fun for me, man. Um, so I got when, when I first got on the board, I just got on as a board member. And uh, I was obviously the youngest member on the board by by quite a bit. You know, the uh, the other members on the board had been in place for, for a while, man. So I learned a lot from them, a lot of institutional knowledge. And then we got a new mayor here in D.C. And D.C. is not like other states because we're not state or district. So we don't have any governor or senator or anything like that. So the highest seat in the district is the mayor. So, um, you know, we got a new mayor and there was changes on the board and I was able to become a board chair because of some of the changes. Um, there's some people had to roll off because of their, uh, their tenure on there and things like that. So then I was thrust into this, <laughs> into this seat and my very first meeting, man, uh, we were, we were drawing up regulations for um, personal trainers and lady trainers that got put under the purview of the physical therapy board by the mayor. And we were focusing on the personal trainers at the time because DC is the first jurisdiction anywhere in the country to regulate personal trainers because they're not regulated anywhere. There's no rules or anything. Like you could just deem that you're a personal trainer and you are one. You don't need any certifications. You don't need to take any classes. Like if you say you're a personal trainer, you start, you start training people, there it is. That's all you need. Right. So in DC, we were trying to change that and actually put some regulations around that to where you at least have to be certified by some governing body to be able to be a personal trainer and and uh, and work with people. So with that background, so um, my very first meeting is chair. We're signing this regulation into, you know, not into law, but to move it up to the mayor's office. All right. So. I walk in, the news is there, the newspaper's there, the, you know, the room is full of other personal trainers, CrossFit is there, like everybody's there, right? And um, so in my very first meeting, I had to sign these papers, like on TV, got interviewed and all this. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> like, you know, because this is like groundbreaking stuff to where the, uh, you know, personal trainers are getting regulated. So that was, that was very interesting. And, um, you know, like, a, you know, welcome to, welcome to the big chair kind of moment <laughs> for me. But other than that, man, the, the process was really cool. I got to learn a lot about government, a lot about the rules, the practice act, you know, how things are changed, how things are drafted um, and, you know, why things are the way they are and, you know, what we have to do to change them. And I was, uh, you know, very active in trying to, to move things around and then to, to bring things up to date as much as I could. So one of the things that we did was um, while I was in, in leadership was uh, that you can now as a PT order x-rays and MRIs in DC. 
And there's only two other places in the country that you can do that. There's uh, Wisconsin and I believe Colorado, well, three, Wisconsin, Colorado, and the military. But except for the military, those other two states can only order x-rays, but in DC we can order MRIs too. And that was something that I was helped to, uh, I was able to help make happen when I was on the board. So that was a pretty fun experience, um, different. And, uh, you know, I wish more people would get the opportunity to be in the room and be at the table and, and learn uh, the way I was able to learn like that. So I, I kind of want to ask you a follow-up question. So for myself in my program right now, I'm the advocacy chair for our SPTA. And I feel like it's been, it's been fun to kind of get that glimpse of, into, you know, what it looks like in terms of regulations and laws and stuff like that. And crazy here in Florida, we actually just had our, like, dry needling. Our, yeah, our dry needling, you know, and for other places, it's like, well, what took y'all so long, you know? But, but yeah. for us, that was like something that was that was like a major win. A big deal, yeah. But Florida, yeah, yeah. you guys yeah. are behind quite a bit, man. So <laughs> I'll share with you. So when you're when you're on um you're on a state board, then you automatically become a member of FSBPT. Everybody knows FSBPT because that's the test we take the board exam, right? So they're actually a federation. What FSBPT stands for the Federation of State Boards of Physical Therapy, right? And they have conferences, right, where they bring together all the boards from all the states around the country, right? And jurisdictions. So like U.S. Virgin Islands, Puerto Rico, all of them have ju their jurisdictions as well, right? So um, when we're at these meetings, you know, then we talk about like what's important in our state. Like, you know, what are we facing as board members and what are we trying to get done? What are we trying to make happen? And a lot of the time, and I'm, when I say a lot, I mean like 90% of the time, <laughs> like the stuff that, other states were talking about, especially states like Florida, where like, you know, we're trying to get dry needling or all this other stuff. I'm like, all right, well, sorry guys, like I, we've been had this stuff. Like we've been dry needling for 30 years. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. Um, Don't do us so like, like that, bro. I'm, man, I'm serious. You know, like we've been dry needling like probably since like before I was born, I think. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, you know, so when I'm talking about like, all right, I'm trying to get x-rays and imaging pushed through you know, there's like one other state that has done it before us. And I'm like talking to them and everybody else is like, man, we're still, you know, we're still recovering from getting uh, manipulation approved, you know, so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy, man, like different states, depending on, you know, where it is, man, it, that, that practice, you know, the way you're able to practice is way different. And, you know, a lot of it is because of antiquated laws and, you know, people are holding the reins that that won't, doesn't want to allow PTs to be able to do certain things because in some in some states the PT board actually falls under the medical board and if the medical board doesn't say yay then it's an A and you know PTs have to live with that so you know fortunately you know I'm in a place where the PT has its own board and is separate of, of you know anybody else besides the department of health you know saying um no we can't do something see now I got a question and it might get you in trouble. It might not. That get me in trouble, man. But um, all right. About me. Go ahead. Ask your question. Ask your question. Said, one thing about me, I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna talk my shit, man. <laughs> talk okay. my shit. <laughs> so I really gotta like ask him because correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like for for most medical practices, there's like a set standard that. You go to a, it doesn't matter what state you go to, you really don't got to guess what um, your physician is and is not allowed to do. 
so my question then becomes like, for example, mm. to me, I'm, I'm thinking about like even the, the MRI, the, the stuff, right? I'm mm. thinking like, okay, so I live in Michigan. Clearly physical therapists up there are not ordering MRIs, but then it's like, say I come out to DC and I, I, I need something done, right? And you as a PT say, okay, bet, like, let's do this. Let's get this done. You streamline the whole thing for me. But then I go back home to Michigan and the PT is like, okay, you know, we might have to do a second one, but they got to ask somebody else mm-hmm. for permission so they can order it. So I can get the thing that you did by yourself. So the question is like, why is that not, why is there not that set standard across the board? Like what's the issue? What's the deal? Who's, who's holding us back? One is partially us, um, and two, like uh, historically, you know, the the MDs, the medical doctors, are the ones that really kind of call the shots in healthcare, right? And um, like for instance, they control the CPT codes, right? That you put that you use to bill, right? Like that's controlled by AMA. So when it is that we want to change something, sometimes, like I said, in some states the PT board falls under the medical board, they have to be okay with that, you know, um, because it, it can sometimes become uh, a turf war, not necessarily between us and MDs, but between us and other professions that, um, you know, either we don't want to fight or other people don't want to deal with. Um, so that's why, you know, like Carl, you know, alluded to, he's involved with advocacy. Like that's why we have ac- advocacy. That's why we have lobbyists. That's why we have the APTA to um, fight on our behalf for things like that. And that's why we have state components of the APTA to be able to fight for us on our behalf for those type of things to happen. Because just like you're saying that, there's somebody that's been practicing for 15, 20 years. And like, I've been wanting to do this forever. And like I had to get to this point and get to know the right people and talk to the right people to try to make this stuff happen that now we're finally at the table talking about. It. So, you know, I think it's just a big historical component, you know, really being able to bring a strong case as to why PT should be able to do X or Y, Z. For instance, and I'll use the imaging thing again, me being a sports PT, if I have a patient that comes into me and has a torn ACL and I do my tests and I'm like, yeah, that's torn. Like the standard of care should be like, all right, let's take a picture of this and make sure that is what I think it is. All right. So for the ease of, let's just say care, I can then say that this patient requires an MRI for me to know what is going on inside that person's knee. And I can write that, send them to get it. And that's a standard of care because this person needs that. We have to build that case, right? The, other, the, the old way is, or the, same, the way that it is in other places, is that this patient comes and then I'm like, all right, that's torn. Go see your doctor, your primary care. They'll do the same test and then say, okay, we're going to send you to get the MRI. They'll order it. They'll send the MRI back to the physician. Then the patient can ask the physician to send it to you. And then you get it. So like now, like a week or two has passed, how much every time it took for them to get the appointment, they now had to pay a copay to see you if they're, they're using insurance. Then they had to pay a copay to see the doctor. Then they had to pay for the MRI. And now, they got to go see an orthopedic specialist. So now they got to pay another copay. Whereas we could have saved a lot of time, save the patient running around and save money because like now for me, I can send them straight to the surgeon. And, you know, that's quality of care. That's, um, 
you know, just a rapid response that's uh, less running around on the patient, that's less money spent. There's, there's a lot of upside to that. Um, and I think once as PT, we can paint the picture of like, this is good for the patient and it's good for healthcare and it's good for how healthcare dollars are spent, then we can start making things happen because really what it all boils down to is money and power. So glad we went down this path. I want to ask you something. And I feel like this is, this is something that I've seen a lot in the PT profession that it's kind of like a, a back and forth battle where I see, I see clinicians who are, you know, done with school. You've gone through two and a half, three years, however long your program is worth of school to be able to call yourself a doctor of physical therapy. Hmm. And those same clinicians defer from that and be like, no, don't call me doctor. And then I've seen clinicians on the other hand that are like, call me doctor. And so my question to you is how do you, it's going to be, it's going to be a kind of a loaded question. What do you think the, where do you stand in terms of that? What do you think the importance is of being able to accept that role as a doctor and also, how do you think we can be able to bridge that gap between us being able to embrace that role as a doctor so that we're able to have the type of relationships and the type of respect that many clinicians say we don't have amongst MDs? Yeah, so again, that's a historical, a historical component to that question because you got to think like, just 20 years ago, a PT degree was a bachelor's, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And then, you know, shortly after that, it became a master's. So there's still a lot of those people that got, that have bachelor's or have master's uh, degrees in PT that are practicing. All right. So to them, if you have a doctorate, like clearly you're younger, you're newer, right? And there's been a running joke in that <laughs> that demographic of like, oh, doctor or PT just means uh, new grad, you know. <laughs> and um, you know, I think that that's really just uh, a, a defense mechanism of like, oh, like this is how things are now, and we don't have that. But the you, you can't beat experience, you know. So those people that have the bachelor's, have the master's, have been practicing a long time, have a lot of experience that as a new grad doctorate of physical therapy, you just don't have. And they're going to know more than you in general, because some of them aren't that good. But, um, you know, they're going to know more than you. So the battle that you're, you're talking about here is those people that came from that time that feel uneasy about being called doctor or feel, feeling uneasy about any physical therapist being called doctor, because that's not what they know. That's not what they've been used to. Whereas, you know, somebody that came out when the doctorate was a thing and they went to school with the intent of getting, of attaining a doctorate degree. They put in that work and they feel like, hey, I've earned this, call me doctor. Like I'm a doctor just as much as any PhD or JD that you call Esquire or physician that you call doctor. Um, I, were, I put in the same work and I, I earned it and I got that degree, address me as such. Where I think that the, the bridge can happen is that it's really just gonna be confidence within the physical therapy community to really hold that up of like, yes, I, I earned the doctorate. I am, I'm a doctor. I'm doctor such and such. 
and you address me like that. And um, until we can be confident about that as a profession, um, there's always going to be this infighting, so to speak, of, all right, call me doctor. No, don't call me that. Call me by my first name. And I'll tell you, like, I'm of the, like, I'm the, <laughs> like, you know, that J. Cole song, Middle Child, where he's like, he's big brother and, and, and little brother at the same time. That's me. Yeah. That's my, that's my generation, right? Because I was literally the second doctorate class of my, of my program, right? So when I started school the year ahead of me that were the first doctorate class, they were still calling our professors by their first name, right? Like, that's something that you don't even do anymore. You address all your professors, professor such and such, doctor such and such, whatever. But in PT, it was so casual that, you know, you would address your professors by first name. You know, everybody's grown here. That's that's just kind of how it goes. So I'm kind of that that changing my my generation rather is that changing of the guard from like, all right, we're not a doctorate, we're you know, we're a master's or a bachelor's to the people earning doctorates and really gaining confidence and being comfortable with with being called that. And the other thing is once you're comfortable with it and you're confident with it, other people have to accept that. And when I say other people, I mean like other professions. Paul, I see that's, you laughing. What, what, are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? What are you one. thinking? That's <laughs> the one. You're, speaking, you're talking my talk. <laughs> I agree, man. I think um, a lot of it just has to deal with self-confidence and people's just mm-hmm. lack of belief that they deserve. Even And it's crazy. How are you going to go through all that schooling and then not have like the confidence to be like, I am such and such. Like, you done did it. Your diploma says it. You know, your school record says it. Your title says it. Your license I hope says it <laughs> like it doesn't. You know, that's a whole other problem, right? That's no. a whole other problem. I mean, I, <laughs> and that's no, a whole other issue. Um, shout out to whoever's running <laughs> those licenses. <laughs> Y'all need to get it together. But well, that's the board. To that's the board of physical therapy that's in all these the states. <laughs> and I think you know that's where, like, for me, I I still think it's like there's this semi one foot in one foot out the door because everybody coming out now is like no i'm a doctor you're gonna call me by my name mm-hmm. but everybody that's making the decisions hmm, catch this everybody that's making the decisions they may not be playing the same game we're playing well not so, everybody and i think like that's changing because a right? lot of, a lot of the time the people that end up uh in positions to make decisions are people in academia uh-huh. so um they end up, you know, they're the people that were kind of the first adopters of like, all right, I'll go back and get my doctorate so that I'm teaching students from having a doctor or mm. they already have a PhD. So they've been used to, you know, being addressed oh, as doctor X, Y, Z. So um, you'll find that a lot of that, that leadership pool is kind of starting to shift that and, and change into that direction of like, all right, this is how we should be addressed. And you'll still find some of them because, you know, some of these people have been in the profession a long time that feel that, no, we don't want to piss off the doctors. We don't want to piss off the MD. So let's just kind of toe the line and do this. So you'll find both factions. But I do think that as we grow up in the profession and we get more of a voice and we get more of a say, so that that will continually change in that landscape of the profession and how we're dressed and how it looks and how we deal with insurance and how we deal with patients will all evolve as time goes on. I want to I want to wrap up with ending on experience because you know we, we talked a little bit about the political side of things. Now uh, I'm going to ask a question that I, I feel all my all my CSCS folks and 
all my ortho and, and, and sports people are, are, are wanting to know, which was, how was your experience uh, as serving as a PT for the national team, the, the USA softball national team and the Minnesota Twins? All right. Um, <laughs> both very different, man, but a lot of fun, um, I'll say. So I want to start with this, though. My, my very best experience as a PT, as a sports PT, was when I was representing the USA as the PT for the um, Pan American Games in 2015. That was, you know, by far one of the best, um, like, opportunities I've ever had, one of my best experiences. You know, I, I lived in the Athlete Village, you know, in the USA building, and, you know, it was two weeks, two and a half weeks, man, and we were just all over the place. And the, the coolest thing about being medical staff at, at the Games is that, so you got one of these credentials, right? And you got to have this to get onto, like, to get into the village, and then to also get anywhere else that there's games going on. The best thing about being medical is this all. So that's an all-access pass to get into every venue that they're playing sports, and you can walk right on the field. And they can't say anything to you because you're medical, right? <laughs> now, I don't suggest doing that because you might, <laughs> you might raise some eyebrows about your, your superiors. But that is, um, you know, definitely one of the coolest things is that you, you really get a, literally a front row seat to, you know, world-class athletes and everything that's going on at the game. So, yeah, let me just put that out there. But um, to your question about, you know, USA softball, um, that's actually how I got started with USA softball is that because I was at that, uh, that Pan American Games in 2015, one of the sports that I had to cover was, uh, was softball. So I spent my first week just following that team, essentially. So I was at practice at all the games and everything. I rode the bus with them and all that. And uh, through being there with them for all that time, I ended up meeting, like, the people that run USA Softball, like the president, the CEO, like, the team leader, everybody that was anybody in U.S. softball was at the games and were around the team. So I got to meet all of them. You know, built good relationships and all that, man. And then, uh, you know, they um, had an exit from the games. They left. And the uh, the following year, the guy that was the team leader at the time ended up getting voted in to be the president of USA softball. And he called me the next year like, hey, man, uh, you know, we got these tournaments going on. Are you available to come help us? And I was like, let me check my schedule. <laughs> but uh, yeah, of course I was available. So, um, you know, so that's kind of how I got started doing that. And you know, they just do a good job, man. You know, you know, the guys really enjoyed having me around. They learned a lot from me. I was able to keep them healthy playing. And that was the important thing. Like in sports, you know, it's all about minimizing the amount of days missed. And uh, I was able to do that at a, at a pretty high level for them. So um, I've been doing that ever since every year, whenever they have uh, major tournaments, you know, they'll call me up and ask me if I'm available to come with them. So uh, that's a pretty fun experience. I've been able to travel the world with them, man. We've been to, uh, shoot, We've been to the Yukon, we've been to Canada, we've been to New Zealand, to Prague, you know, Toronto. They're, going, they're supposed to be going to Argentina this year, but it's over Thanksgiving, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to make that one. But uh, definitely just, a, well, and COVID, I don't know if it's still going to happen. But, um, you know, definitely a fun experience with, uh, you know, being able to represent the country that way, man, and be able to use my skills to do that. Now, to the Minnesota Twins, it's a whole <laughs> different different animal where, like, I'm, you know, in the organization, and, you know, with those guys day in, day out. In my role, I was responsible for the rehabs because I was a physical therapist. So 
in baseball, if, you, if people aren't familiar with baseball, there's what you see on TV, the major leagues, and then there's minor league baseball as well, right? So you have rookie ball, advanced rookie ball, low A ball, high A ball, triple A, I mean, double A, triple A, and then you get to the major leagues, right? So all these levels of baseball means that there's all these players on all these teams at every level. So anybody that got hurt and had to be in rehab throughout the organization was my responsibility. All right. So um, that was a uh, pretty cool. I, I met a lot of, a lot of great guys. Baseball is one sport I'll say, man, that no matter how great somebody is at that game, everybody has been pretty humble and really good guys. Um, and I really think that's because everybody in baseball had to pay their dues, man. Everybody had to go through that minor league circuit to be able to make it. And they had to work their ass off to get there. So, um, you know, definitely a, a great experience, man. Um, you know, I, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, two of my goals were to work in pro sports and to start my business. And, um, you know, I was able to achieve both of those. And I'm, you know, I'm only 10 years into my practice, man. I've been able to achieve both of my goals pretty early in, uh, in my career. I was able to represent the country and, and, you know, teach and do all this. And, you know, it's really been a fun ride so far, man. And, uh, you know, that, that Twins experience was definitely one that I had been wanting ever since I, I decided to be a PT. So um, it was kind of like a dream come true for me, man. Well, Doc, let me say, first off, thank you so much for, for joining us, man. This was this was amazing. I got a lot of value out of it. Paul's still taking notes. I know. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> but but really, you know, we, we appreciate you making the time, you know, out of your busy schedule to come talk to us and come uh, just drop some gems on our listeners. So before we let you go, if there's anyone who's listening, you know, and they want to connect with you, what contact info, what social media info, what would you want to leave with them? All right, man. Uh, yeah, my practice uh, Instagram is at momentous underscore SM. That's M-O-M-E-N-T-O-U-S underscore S like sports, M like medicine. My personal one is at Dr. Tim Vidal. You can find me really easy. If you guys want to email me, man, Tim Vidal at momentouspt.com. You know, always uh, happy to reach out to, to help out, you know, mentor you, give you advice, just kind of point you in the right direction, connect you with whoever you're trying to get connected with if they're in my network. So feel free to reach out, man. You know, follow me. I'll follow back. I uh, just love to see, uh, you know, the young professionals come up and, and do stuff, man, and become successful. Greatly appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. To our listeners, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. If you got value from this episode, subscribe, share it out to someone, leave a review, a five-star review, might I add. And with all that being said, until the next episode, peace and many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. This episode was brought to you by The Accepted System. The Accepted System is a program that helps pre-physical therapy students get into physical therapy school without wasting time or money. Most pre-PT students go on to spend hundreds of dollars applying to multiple DPT programs, with the majority of them having less than 40% confidence that they will actually get accepted that cycle. You have been taught that regardless of all the work you put into applying, you really do not have much control over your acceptance into PT school. The truth is, you actually do. You can find help at www.preptgrindotc.com. This episode was also brought to you by PhysioMemes. PhysioMemes helps PT businesses to increase their referrals through word of mouth marketing by growing their brand with an online store. 
Physio Memes. Thank you for listening. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.